Good morning, guys. I hope you're all doing well and everybody's healthy. Um, we're going to be reading a chapter book together. It's titled A Boy Called Bat by Elena K. Arnold. Chapter One, After School. Bigsby Alexander Tam stared into the refrigerator, trying to decide what to eat. He knew that the longer he took, the more energy he was wasting and Bixby Alexander Tam did not like to waste energy. But he also didn't like to eat leftovers or cheese that had to be sliced or any of the yogurt flavors in the fridge. Bat, close the refrigerator door, yelled his sister Janie from the kitchen table where she sat cutting out pictures from a pile of old magazines. Janie, he was sure, had eaten all of the lemon and vanilla yogurts, and she knew he only liked the creamy ones, not the ones with the fruit on the bottom. That was what almost everyone called Bixby Alexander Tam for a couple of reasons. First, because the initials of his name, B, A, and T, spelled Bat. But there were maybe other reasons. Bat's sensitive hearing, for one, he didn't like loud sounds. What was so unusual about that? And if Janie's old earmuffs happened to be an outstanding muffling device, was it that funny if he liked to wear them? There was also the way he sometimes flapped his hands when he was nervous or excited or thinking about something interesting. Some of the kids at school seemed to think that was hilarious. And of course, bats have wings, which they flap. So between the initials and the earmuffs and the hand flapping, the nickname had stuck. And truthfully, Bat didn't mind. Animals were his favorite thing, better even than vanilla yogurt. Janie, did you eat all the vanillas? Not all of them, Janie answered. She curved the scissors around the bent arm of the boy she was cutting out. I saw you eat at least two or three of them. Did you eat the last vanilla? Yes, said Janie and with a final snip, she freed the shiny paper boy. It was delicious. Of course it was delicious. All the vanillas were delicious. Well, said Bat, closing the refrigerator door a little harder than he needed to, now there is nothing to eat. I wouldn't say there's nothing to eat, teased Janie. She knew she wasn't supposed to tease him. Well, I would, said Bat, nothing I want to eat then you must not be very hungry. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, after Mom drove Bat home from school, she had to go back to work for a couple more hours. It was Janie's job to watch Bat. Thursdays were the hardest, and today was a Thursday. Make me a snack, Bat demanded. Make me a snack? What? Make me a snack now. No, said Janie. Make me a snack, please. I don't have to say please, said Bat. Making me an after-school snack is part of your job. You don't have to say please to get someone to do their job. You do if you want them to do it well, said Janie. But she pushed back the magazines and stood up. Bat felt his elbows beginning to bend. He felt his hands getting ready to flap. I'm hungry, he said again. His voice sounded higher. Okay, okay, said Janie. Don't fly away. I'll fix you peanut butter and jelly. Without the crust, Bat said. He felt better already. Chapter 2, 
Bat's cave. After finishing his snack, Bat went to his room. Bat's room was his favorite place in the whole world. In his room, Bat felt completely comfortable. Here, he knew where everything was. If something was in the wrong place, it was his own fault because no one messed with his room but him. In the rest of their small house, Bat's mom and sister knew to put anything that needed to go to Bat's room in one of three baskets, his clean laundry basket, his book basket, and his miscellaneous stuff basket. Miscellaneous was a great word and one of Bat's favorites. It meant all the extra stuff. So the miscellaneous stuff basket could have almost anything except clean laundry and books in it. When the baskets were full, Mom placed them in the hallway outside Bat's door. He took them into his room and unloaded them himself. Once, Mom had tried to reorganize his dresser drawers because she thought he could use some help. After, when he was so upset he couldn't even speak, she said, I'm sorry, Bat, but your drawers were a mess. Your hats mixed in with your pants and sweaters. I don't know how you find anything. But the drawers weren't a mess, not at all. If mom had looked more closely, she would have seen that his knit caps were in with his long pants and his sweaters because he always wore those things together on cold days. Shorts and t-shirts were in another drawer because he wore those things together on warm days. But what about this drawer? Mom had asked, pulling open the bottom right drawer, which held a pair of pants, a wool sweater, and two t-shirts. Those are the things I never wear, Bat told her when he was finally calmed down, because they're itchy and uncomfortable. When Mom cut the tags out of the t-shirts and Bat moved them to his warm drawer, warm day drawer, after that, Mom left him to his own devices, as she liked to say. Once in his room, Bat closed the door. There was a sign on the outside that said, Please knock. Janie had written it for him because her writing was much neater than his. Janie could do all the hand things better than Bat. Writing things, cutting things out, smoothing peanut butter on bread. The clock told Bat that Mom would be home in 46 minutes. Mom was a veterinarian, which was what Bat intended to be, too, one day. Mostly, she treated cats and dogs, but sometimes she had unusual patients. Once, she had taken a BB pellet out of the wing of a hawk. The pellet had broken one of the bones, and Mom had to do surgery to mend it. She brought home x-rays to show Bat. Why would anyone shoot a hawk? Bat had asked. Do you think they were going to eat it? No, said Mom. Sometimes people do stupid things. She had been very angry about the hawk, angrier even than when Bat and Janie got into loud screaming fights. Seeing the x-ray of the hawk's broken wing made Bat angry too, but his room always made him feel better. It had a roll-down bamboo window shade and a fine closet full of shelves and full of trunks in case someday a friend came to spend the night. It had a ceiling fan and a reading lamp and a rug with a picture of a train track printed on it. Bat felt like looking through his animal encyclopedia. 
which he often did after school, so he pulled it down from the bookshelf and dropped comfortably onto his beanbag. His stomach was full of sandwich, and Mr. Grayson's hadn't, Mr. Grayson hadn't assigned any homework. For this moment, at least, Bat felt perfectly content. Hi guys, today we're going to continue reading um, A Boy Called Bat, and we're going to do chapters 3 and 4. Chapter 3, No Vanilla Yogurt. Mom was supposed to be home by 5 o'clock, but 5 o'clock came and Mom did not arrive. By 5.15, Bat wanted to call the police. That's what we're supposed to do in case of emergency, he said to Janie. She was watching TV. This isn't an emergency, Bat. How do you know? It might be an emergency. You don't know for sure that it isn't an emergency. Bat, call Mom's phone if you're so worried. Bat didn't want to call Mom's phone. What if she was driving and she answered when he called and then she crashed the car? I don't want to cause an emergency, he said. If you had any friends to play with, Janie said, you could hang out with them on Tuesdays and Thursdays instead of being a pain in my neck. Bat thought that was unfair and also mean, considering that he was so worried. But before he could say anything, he heard Mom's car turn into the driveway. A warm rush of relief flooded over him. He felt Janie in the front of the TV and ran outside. Mom, he said, you're late. Easy Bat, Mom said, climbing out of the car. No need to be angry. Bat wasn't angry, not really. He was relieved. But instead of explaining this, Bat asked, Did you go to the grocery store and get more vanilla yogurt? I didn't have time, Mom said. That was the last straw. Mom was late and Bat was worried. And now, no vanilla yogurt? Bat felt a ball of anger rising up in his chest hot and hard and loud, wanting to escape through his mouth and he yelled. His eyes squinted together and his hands drew up tight against the sides of his body. Mom put her hand on his shoulder and knelt down so she could look right into Bat's eyes. But Bat didn't want to look at her eyes. He didn't want her eyes looking at him. Calm down, Bat, Mom said in her soothing voice the one she saved for when Bat was getting really upset. It's okay. I had a good reason for not going to the grocery store. If you can calm yourself down, I can tell you what it is. Bat didn't care what Mom's reason was. She should have gone to the store. She knew how much he liked vanilla yogurt, and it was her job to buy it for him. Bat didn't have any money or a car. If mom didn't buy him yogurt, there would be no yogurt. Chapter four. Is it a, what kind of animal? Asked Bat. You'll see, mom answered. She walked around to the back of the station wagon and opened the door. Is it a puppy? Asked Bat. You'll see, mom answered, taking out a cardboard box with air holes poking into the top. Is it a kitten? Bat asked as he followed her to the front door. You'll see, Mom answered. Is it a duckling? Bat asked as he bounced up and down, hands flapping excitedly. You'll see, Mom answered. 
Open the door for me, okay? Bat pushed open the front door. Is it a hoglet? Mom laughed. Where would I get a baby hoghead, hedgehog? I don't know, Bat said. Then he had an awful thought. Is it a baby human? Mom walked into the living room. Janie, still watching the TV, called out, Hey, you're late. I know, Mom said to Janie. And then she said to Bat, Bat, honey, I wouldn't put a baby human in a cardboard box. And anyway, would a baby human be so bad? Yes, said Bat firmly. Well, it's not a baby human, said Mom. Now Janie was interested. She got up to have a closer look. What's in the box, she asked. Mom brought home a baby animal, Bat yelled in a rush, trying to be the one to tell Janie. And that way, she'd know that he'd known about it first. Geez, Bat, don't scream in my face. Twelve inches, remember? Bat was supposed to stay at least twelve inches away from Janie when he talked to her. She didn't like it when he was too close. There were lots of rules when it came to Janie. How did you do on the math test? Mom asked Janie. Did the chart we make help? Bat bounced up and down on the balls of his feet, pulling the collar of his shirt into his mouth and sucking on the fabric. They were going to talk about the math test now. Mom, he groaned. Okay, okay, she said. We can talk about math later. Come on, let's go into the kitchen. There is someone I want you to meet. continue reading our book A Boy Called Bat and today we're going to cover chapters 5 and chapter 6. Chapter 5 A Tiny Pink Nose. Mom set the box on the kitchen table. Is it sleeping? Bat asked his voice in a whisper. Probably mom said babies sleep most of the time. What is it? Janie asked. Bat do you want to open the lid? Bat didn't answer. He was too excited. Very carefully, he lifted the lid of the box and peered inside. Janie stood behind him, breathing on his ear. You're breathing on my ear, Bat said. Janie ignored him. It's a bunch of rags, Mom said. Mom walked around to the far side of the round table and reached into the box. She scooped up the pile of material and sat down. Look. Bat watched as Mom shifted the towel in her arms. A nose peeked out, a tiny pink nose, and then two slanted closed eyes, a forehead covered with downy fuzz, little ears still curled tight against its head. Janie began, is that a, it's a kit, Bat said, enchanted by the tiny creature, watching, wanting so badly to hold it, a baby skunk. Oh, Mom, Janie said. I can't believe you brought home a skunk. I had to, Mom said, rubbing the skunk's little forehead with her thumb. He's an orphan. Oh, breathed Janie. She leaned in closer, blocking Bat's view. How old is he? You're in my way, Bat said loudly, and he pushed Janie's arm to make room for himself. Bat, Mom said, you need to stay calm around the skunk kit. Okay, you don't want to scare him. Bat did not want to scare the skunk kit. He wanted to hold the skunk kit, maybe even feed and care for the skunk kit. 
but his sister was standing in the way. Move, Jamie, he hissed at her, as quietly as he could hiss. Why don't you both sit down, Mom said. I'll tell you all about him. Janie plopped down in the chair on Mom's right, so Bad went, Bat went around to her other side and sat in the chair on her left. He scooted the chair as close to Mom as he could. The kit was still tucked into the towel, only his little face visible. Eyes closed, he opened his mouth in a yawn. His tiny pink tongue arched out. Mom said, Bat, do you remember when we smelled that skunk on the way to school this morning? Bat did remember. They had smelled it just after they pulled off of their street, Plum Lane, and onto Anderson Road. He had smelled it, and Mom had smelled it too. Bat had cranked his neck, looking out each window carefully. He'd seen lots of people on bicycles. They lived near a college, and the students mostly rode bikes to class. And he'd seen other cars and some people on foot. It was the beginning of spring, but it was still cold. So he had seen lots of hats and scarves. He'd seen an American flag on a flagpole in front of the post office. He'd seen a red bus. He'd seen a sign that read, Welcome to Quincy, a bike-friendly town. But he had not seen a skunk. Bat nodded. I remember, he said. Well, unfortunately, the skunk we smelled but didn't see was the mama's skunk. A car hit her, and a couple of college students brought her to my office in the basket of a bike. She was there waiting for me after I dropped you off at school, injured and very pregnant. Is she okay? Janie asked. I wish I could say she is, Mom answered. I wasn't able to save the mother or the other baby kits. Only this one lived. I was able to check the mother for diseases, though, and luckily she wasn't sick which is a good sign the kit isn't sick either. That's awesome, Bat said. Bat said Janie, loud and sharp. The kit twitched and shifted, scared by Janie's voice. How can you say it's awesome? The mom died, the other babies died. Bat didn't mean that it was awesome that the other skunks had died. Of course, that wasn't awesome. He'd meant that it was awesome that this kit had lived. But it wasn't worth it to try and explain to Janie which he'd meant, what he'd meant. She usually misunderstood Bat. Most everyone did. Can I? Bat reached for the kit, wanting so badly to hold him with his fingers twitched. We can't keep him, Mom warned. There's a wild animal rescue center that we can give him to in about a month. But they're too busy to take him just yet, so we can help him to get bigger and stronger before we hand him over to the experts. They'll raise him until he's ready to be released into the wild. When he's about five months old, then she passed the tiny kit wrapped in towels into Bat's arms. The kit was so small that Bat couldn't even tell he was in the towel except for the tiny face that peeked out. He cradled the bundle in his arms he felt his face stretch into a wide smile, so wide it made his cheeks sore. Chapter 6. Skunk Lunch Can it spray yet? Janie asked. No, Mom answered. Soon he will be able to, but when skunks are babies, they can't spray as strongly as the adults. Bat realized that he didn't know a lot about skunks. 
He knew they sprayed a stinky smell to protect themselves, and he knew they were mammals. And he knew they were omnivores because they ate bugs and smaller animals and plants too. But he didn't know very much more than that. He decided to learn everything about skunks. What are we going to feed him, Bat asked. Can I do it? He's too little to eat yet, so we need to feed him formula. They don't make skunk formula, so we can use puppy formula. It's the closest thing to another to a mother skunk's milk. Janie stood up. It's a cute skunk, Mom, but I want to go over to Ezra's house, okay? Okay, Mom said. Be back in an hour. Ezra lived three houses up the block and had been Janie's best friend since before Bat was born. Janie loved Ezra. She thought he was funny and smart and creative. Bat loved Ezra. He thought Ezra was loud and annoying and mean and a mean tease. Sometimes when Janie went to play at Ezra's house, it bothered Bat that he wasn't invited and that there wasn't a house he was invited to visit where Janie didn't get to go. But right now, he didn't care about Ezra or about anything other than feeding the skunk kit. Goodbye, he said to Janie without taking his eyes off the baby skunk's tiny face. The skunk was yawning and licking his lips with the world's tiniest, pinkest tongue. Janie left, Mom said. Okay, Bat, sit right here and I'll get the formula. She went to her bag and pulled out a can, like a soda can, but with a picture of a puppy on it. Mom shook it and cracked it open and dipped a syringe inside, pulling the plunger up. Bat watched it fill with a thick white liquid. We only give him a few drops at a time, Mom said, carrying the full syringe back to the table. Watch me do it first. She took the skunk and arranged him on her lap, one hand over his back and under his front legs to hold him upright, the other hand aiming the syringe full of formula at his mouth. The skunk seemed to know what was about to happen and twitched his little pink nose back and forth eagerly. Mom slowly pushed down on the plunger, and Bat watched a thick white droplet of puppy formula push through the hole at the end of the syringe. The skunk tipped back his chin and opened his mouth, licking eagerly at it. What a good little baby, Mom crooned, pressing more formula into his mouth. I want to feed him. Let me feed him. I feed him next, Bat asked. Okay, okay, Mom handed the skunk back to Bat. He tried to hold the skunk the way Mom had and then took the syringe in his other hand. Very slowly, Mom warned him, and finally it was Bat's turn. As slowly as he could, he pressed down on the plunger, aiming the syringe tip at the baby skunk's mouth, and it worked. The skunk's little pink tongue laughed at the droplet. Droplets gathered at the corner of his mouth, and some ran down his chin onto the towel. But most of it made it into the baby skunk. I'm doing it, Bat whispered. I'm feeding him. You sure are, Mom said. Bat knew he was doing a messier job of it than Mom had done, but the baby skunk didn't seem to mind. I love him, Bat said. He hadn't meant to say it out loud. Mom laughed. Careful or you might make me jealous, she said. But it's true, Bat said, I love him. 
Mom said they'd have to hand Kit over to the rescue center in a month, but Bat, holding the tiniest animal in his arms, made a silent promise that he'd figure out a way to keep him. Hope you're having a good day so far. We're going to continue reading A Boy Called Bat, Chapter 7 and 8 today. Chapter 7, Every Other Fridays. The next morning was an every other Friday. On every other Fridays, Mom drove Bat to his school and Janie walked to her school, just like usual. But in the afternoon, Dad would pick them up. First, Bat whose class let out 20 minutes before Janie's, and they would all go home to his apartment for the weekend. Every other Fridays made Bat uncomfortable, like his skin was on too tight. Bat liked it when things followed a pattern, and every other Fridays broke the pattern. This every other Friday was the worst one Bat had ever experienced because it meant that it would be the three days until he saw the skunk kit again. He had begged mom to let him take the skunk to dad's house, but mom refused. The baby skunk needs to be with me, she said. I'll take him to work and the vet techs can watch him while I'm with patients. Besides, Bat, I don't think your dad is a fan of skunks. Bat even tried pretending to be sick so that he could stay home instead of going to school. He told mom that he had a sore throat and achy ears. Bat hardly ever lied. It made him feel itchy. But even though mom's patients were animals rather than humans, she was still a kind of doctor. She shined a light into his ears and made him say, ah, and she looked down his throat. You're not sick, Bat, she said. You just want to stay home with the skunk kit. He needs me, Bat whined. Bat, mom warned, don't let yourself get all worked up, okay? Sorry, sorry, said Bat. We can help raise the kit this month as a family, as long as you keep on doing all the regular stuff too. School and dad's and homework and everything. If the skunk kit is too big of a distraction, then I can get Lawrence to take him home in the evenings. Lawrence was Bat's favorite vet tech at mom's clinic. He could juggle five He could juggle five juggling clubs, and even though he had enormous hands, big enough to hold all five clubs at once, he was very gentle. He had the deepest voice Bat had ever heard, deep like space. But no matter how much Bat liked Lawrence, there was no way he was going to let him take the kit home after work. My throat feels better, he said, much better. Mom and Janie and Bat all left the house together. Mom locked the door behind them. She kissed Janie and said, look both ways and have a fun weekend. Okay, Mom, Janie said, see you on Monday. Bat climbed into the back seat of the car and fastened his seatbelt. He liked to sit in the middle seat because someone had once told him that it was the safest seat in the whole car. That was one of the things he didn't like about every other Fridays. His dad's car, A fast little yellow convertible didn't have a middle back seat. It just had two back seats with a hump in between. Mom placed the box with the skunk kit on the front passenger seat. 
Then she started the car and backed down the driveway. It wasn't a long drive to Bat School. The distance from their house to his school was exactly 2.3 miles. Bat knew this because he liked his mom to push the button on the dashboard each morning, the one that reset the trip meter. Bat spent the entire 2.3 miles trying to come up with a reason why he shouldn't go to Dad's, even though it wasn't every other Friday, a reason that wouldn't make his mom give the kit to Lawrence. But he couldn't think of anything. They arrived at his school. You'll take care of the kit, Bat asked Mom. Honey, Mom said, I'm a veterinarian. Taking care of animals is my job, I promise. Bat nodded. He unbuckled his seatbelt, slid across the back seat, and got out of the car. Wait a minute, Mom called after him through her rolled-down window. Aren't you forgetting something? He had his backpack. He had his lunch. He had his earmuffs. No, he said. Mom smiled. You forgot to kiss me goodbye. Oh, yeah, said Bat. He walked back over to the car and stuck his head through Mom's window. She wrapped her arms around his neck and pulled him close. Her wavy brown hair tickled his nose. Goodbye, little Bat, she said. I'll miss you. Then she kissed his cheek. Goodbye, Bat answered. He walked up to the school's front door, then turned around. Mom was still there in her car watching him. He raised his hand and waved. Mom honked the horn at him. Three light, happy honks. Then she drove away. Chapter 8, 16 Islets. Sometimes Bat wished that Janie went to his school because it would be kind of neat to see her in the hallways and at lunchtime. But most of the time he was glad that his school was something he didn't have to share with her. Janie attended the Robert E. Willett Elementary School. But this was her last year. Next year, she would be going to junior high school. Bat went to a private school. It had smaller classes than the public school, and his parents thought it was a better fit for him, which was fine with Bat. Mr. Grayson was a good teacher who never yelled and who usually let Bat wear his earmuffs if things got too loud. Also, his school, the Saw Wet School, was named after a type of owl. The main hallway of the Saw Wet School was a busy place until 8.35 a.m. when class officially started. Until then, it was full of parents walking the younger kids, those in kindergarten and first grade, to their classrooms, and the older kids walking themselves, all while the principal, Mrs. Martinez, stood outside of the administration office, smiling and being friendly. Bat, called Mrs. Martinez, waving and smiling. Bat didn't feel like talking to Mrs. Martinez, so he pretended he didn't see her and slid to the far side of the hallway as he passed. That way, she couldn't reach out and rumple his hair. Bat hated it when people rumpled his hair, and Mrs. Martinez loved to rumple hair. She had never yet rumpled his hair, and Bat wanted to keep it that way. Bat liked the main hallway better when all the other kids were in their classrooms. Right now, Luca and Israel, two kids in Bat's same class, were struggling were st- struggling out of their rain boots on the big rubber mat. It wasn't rainy, but dark clouds peppered the sky in the way that it could mean recess would be wet. 
At Saw Wet School, one of the philosophies was that students should go outside, rain or shine or snow. Bat hadn't worn rain boots, so he didn't have any that he needed to take off. He didn't carry an umbrella either, because the Saw Wet School didn't allow them in the hallways or classrooms, which Bat agreed was a wise decision. He skirted around the kindergartner, whose mom was kneeling in front of him, holding a tissue to his nose. Blow, she said, and he dodged between a couple of big kids, sixth graders, who were tossing a small red ball back and forth. Balls are supposed to be kept outside, Bat told the slightly smaller of the two big kids, a boy he recognized by the red glasses he wore. Not this ball, said the boy. This is a special ball. Then he threw the ball over Bat's head to the other kid, a very tall girl, who caught it expertly with one hand and laughed. It looks like a regular ball, Bat said. It's not a regular ball, said the boy with red glasses. Bat had a weird feeling in his stomach like the boy was tricking him. He didn't know what to say. Just then, Luca and Israel came by without their rain boots. Hi, Bat, Israel said. Do you think it'll rain? Maybe, said Bat. Well, eventually, yes, but today, maybe. Relieved, Bat watched the two big kids move away toward their classroom, still tossing the ball. What do you think about, what do you think was special about that ball? Asked Israel. Nothing. Then Miss Kiko came out of the kindergarten room and rang her handbell. It made a gentle twinkling sound, way better than the harsh, painful scream of Janie's electric school bell system, which Bat had heard last year during a school play he'd gone to watch. To class, to class, it's time for another day. Miss Kiko had a beautiful voice, which was probably why it was her job to announce the start of school. Bat followed Luca and Israel into Mr. Grayson's third grade classroom. I brought two sandwiches for lunch today, Luca was telling Israel, in case you want to trade cookies for one. Why would I want to do that, Israel asked. I brought my own sandwich. Bat knew why Luca would think Israel wanted to trade. Yesterday, he had heard Luca tell Israel that she didn't really like her cream cheese sandwiches, and Israel had replied that he didn't like the turkey one his mom always made. I would trade anything for a cream cheese sandwich, he had said. He listened to see if Luca would remember Israel, would remind Israel of what he had said, but she didn't. Probably Israel was just being nice, Bat interjected, to make you feel better about bringing cream cheese sandwiches to school every day. He probably didn't really want your sandwich. Israel turned around. His face was red and his eyebrows pointed toward each other, making a wrinkly crinkle in his forehead. Dude, he said to Bat. Bat waited for Israel to say more, but he didn't. Just that one word, dude. Then Luca started crying, and she shoved past Bat to go back into the hallway. He watched her run into the girls' bathroom. Mr. Grayson came over. He was wearing his bright orange tennis shoes today. Bat liked it when he wore those shoes. It was like he was wearing sunglasses on his feet. What's the problem, friends? He asked. Bat embarrassed Luca, Israel said, really loudly, making Bat wish he had his earmuffs. They were in his backpack on his back. I'm sure you didn't mean to embarrass her, did you, Bat? Asked Mr. Grayson. There were 16 eyelets on each of his shoes. Bat counted, eight on the left side, eight on the right side. That made 32 eyelets. 
Bat, can you look up at my face? Mr. Grayson asked. Bat shook his head. Thirty-two eyelets. His own shoes had half as many, sixteen eyelets, four on each side of each shoe. Mr. Grayson sighed. Okay, Bat, go sit at your table. Bat wondered if anyone in the class had more eyelets in their shoes than Mr. Grayson. He kept his eyes on the shoes as he walked through the classroom. Nope, no one did. Hello guys, I miss seeing you, but it's nice that we can at least share this book together. So we're going to continue reading A Boy Called Bat. We're going to do chapters 9 and chapter 10. Chapter 9, Open Door Baby Cakes Policy. Mr. Grayson was a good teacher for lots of reasons. He let kids eat snacks at their desk if they were hungry. He didn't make students ask permission to go to the bathroom. He didn't believe in making people apologize. You can't make someone be sorry, he always said. And he believed in class pets. That's how he put it. I believe in class pets, he had said on the first day of class when he introduced them to Baby Cakes, the class rabbit. Baby Cakes, a white Angora bunny that looked like a giant fluff ball, lived in a pen in the back of the room near the bookshelves. It was a big pen with a gate. If anyone ever needs a cuddle, Mr. Grayson said, Baby Cakes is there for you. And that was the thing that made Mr. Grayson the best teacher. Bat had ever had his open door baby cakes policy, which meant that any time a kid needed to cuddle, he or she could visit baby cakes. No permission needed, no questions asked. Baby cakes liked carrots and apples and put up with cuddling. Bat knew the rabbit liked treats better than kids, but he also knew that baby cakes was smart enough to realize that the two often went together. The thing about Mr. Grayson's open door baby cakes policy was that none of the kids wanted to ruin it by overusing it. Bat was baby cakes most frequent visitor. Israel visited the second most often, and then probably Jenny was third. A couple of months ago, Israel had given Bat a drawing he'd done of baby cakes. It was pretty good. Bat usually liked to visit baby cakes during recess or lunch, when a visit wouldn't mean leaving group time. But today, he didn't think he could wait until recess, maybe because he missed the baby skunk so much. When Mr. Grayson had everyone pull out the money game, payday, that they played on Fridays. Bat slipped away from his table and headed to the back of the room. Today, Baby Cakes wasn't sleeping. She was just sitting in her favorite spot on top of the plastic hutch where she slept. She looked like white cotton candy. Bat sat close to Baby Cakes and put his hand on her back just to let her know he was there. He didn't want to startle her. Break into groups of four, Mr. Grayson said. Choose a banker and pay everyone $200. For a moment, Bat thought maybe Mr. Grayson was going to let him skip the game and just hang out with baby cakes. But then he said, Bat, five minutes. Bat didn't want to play payday. He didn't want to join the class in five minutes. But the open door baby cakes policy didn't mean it was okay to skip stuff that the class was doing. It was one of those unspoken rules that mom was always talking about. 
those things that people are supposed to know without having to be told. Bat hated unspoken rules, but he loved the open door baby cakes policy. So when five minutes later, Mr. Grayson said, okay, Bat, time's up. Bat reluctantly scooted baby cakes off of his lap where she had set herself and rejoined the class. The game was already arranged. Jenny Pearson had dealt out $200 for Bat and Luca, Bat saw, had returned from the bathroom with red-rimmed eyes. She was in a different group. Ready? Jenny asked. I guess so, said Bat, and he sat in the empty seat between Jenny and Raymond. Across from him, Corey rolled the dice. Bat sighed. It was going to be a long day. Chapter 10, A Very Long Day. Bat was right. It was a long day. The rain that had been threatening came, and after they ate lunch, the students pulled on rain gear to splash in the puddles. Bat did not like to get wet. He didn't like it at all. It made his clothes feel sticky and itchy and uncomfortable. Mr. Grayson knew that Bat didn't like to get wet. So even though the saw wet school philosophy said that students should go outside rain or shine or snow, he asked Bat, would you like to spend recess helping me clean baby cakes enclosure? Yes, said Bat. Mr. Grayson got a trash bag and Bat scooped the old straw into it. Then they laid out a fresh batch of straw. It smelled like summertime and sunshine. Baby cakes hopped all over to the straw and sniffed it. She looks happy, Mr. Grayson said. She looks exactly the same as she always does, Bat answered. Mr. Grayson laughed. Grown-ups were always laughing at things that Bat didn't think were funny, but it didn't bother Bat very much when Mr. Grayson did it. Julio, a fourth grader, who everyone said was a natural athlete, came into the classroom. Mr. Grayson, he said, Principal Martinez wants to know if you're still going to teach yoga. Sure, sure, Mr. Grayson said. Tell her I'm all ready to start. Then he said to Julio, I think you've grown a foot since the last time I saw you. Julio shrugged. Not that much, he said, but I've grown an inch since winter break. I'm not surprised, Mr. Grayson said. That was three months ago. Bat thought about time as he followed Mr. Grayson to the yoga room and as he sat on his mat in the butterfly pose. Three months, he guessed, could be a little bit of time or a long, really long time, depending on who you were. For instance, a monarch butterfly born in the summer lives only about six weeks. So four months would really feel like forever. But a monarch butterfly born in the winter might live for eight months, so four months would be just half of its life. And if you were a boy with a skunk kit that you were only allowed to keep for one month time, was sure to pass away much too quickly. Bat considered telling Mr. Grayson about the life cycle of the monarch butterfly, but the teacher was busy unlacing his orange high tops and getting ready to lead the group in yoga. He decided he would talk about monarch butterflies with Mr. Grayson later. But the right later never happened. After yoga, they went back to the third grade room for reading circle. After reading circle, they worked on their volcano projects, which Bat had not been looking forward to. 
Groups of four kids had to work together to build a volcano. Mr. Grayson called it collaborative art. Bat did not like collaboration. He liked to do things himself. That way, if something didn't turn out the way he wanted it to, there was no one else to be mad at. And if he wanted to take it apart and start over, no one could tell him not to. But Mr. Grayson wouldn't let Bat be a group of one. The problem was that no one else in the group seemed to care as much as Bat did. Three times before 2.45, when class was finally over for the day, Bat's group said, Mr. Grayson, Bat won't let us help. I don't need help, Bat told Jenny when she complained for a second time. It's a group project, she said. You have to let us help. Israel, who was in Bat's group, kept asking him all kinds of annoying questions like, Hey, Bat, do you think the lava is red enough? And Bat, can you pass me the paste? Bat ignored the lava question. But about the paste, he said, glue works better than paste. The paste gets all weird and flaky when it dries. Okay, said Israel, pass me the glue then. I'm using the glue, Bat said. Things would go much more smoothly, Bat thought, if the other kids would stop asking questions and interfering and just let him get the job done. By the time Miss Kiko rang the end-of-day bell from the hallway, Bat's left eye felt twitchy. All he wanted to do was climb into his mom's car and go home to his own room. But when he walked outside, he didn't see mom's burgundy station wagon. Instead, he saw dad's yellow sports car, and he remembered with a heavy sigh that today was an every other Friday, and he wouldn't get to see his own room or the baby kit for three long days. If Bat were a mayfly, he wouldn't even live that long.